Some of you may know that I grew up in Mexico and April the 30th in Mexico is a very special day. Uh, it's called Dia del Niño and it has nothing to do with a weather phenomenon. Um, it's a day of the child. And so, you know, we have Mother's Day and you honor moms and you have Father's Day, you honor fathers and on Child's Day, you just make sure that your kids have a good time. And I liked that growing up as a child. I like it because it meant getting treats. It meant sometimes maybe getting a small gift. Uh, and, I, and the thing that I remember most is my aunt and my grandparents giving me money. And that way I'd go to the corner store and buy comic books and buy snacks and, and just uh, have a good day. Sometimes we'd go to the park and we'd go to a festival. Uh, we celebrated differently every year, but every year was special, and I was excited about that. And I, as I thought about that today, I was just happy that I had a happy childhood. I'm happy that I had parents who cared for me. I'm happy that I had a, a, an aunt and grandparents that met my needs and even beyond that, make sure that I had fun, that I felt loved, that I enjoyed my childhood. And when we think about the way that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, it's important that we remember that Jesus wanted us to pray from a child-father perspective. That Jesus wanted us to understand that our prayer life, that our relationship with God is first and foremost a, a child-father relationship, a, a father that loves us, a father who cares for us. And so we come to him in prayer. Last Sunday we talked, uh, uh, about the Father's kingdom, uh, Pastor David preached and told us what it means to pray your kingdom come and, and how we pray that his kingdom come in our hearts, how we step into that uh, whole new world, he called it, uh, and, and that it's here and it's to come. And, and so we talked about that. The, the Sunday before that, I talked about the Father's character and this idea that our Father is uh, a loving Father, a caring Father, a holy Father one who, who we can pray to. And so today, as we continue in this series, Your Kingdom Come, on, on the model prayer and how we can grow in our prayer life by understanding and praying this model prayer or, or at least the principles of it, we are going to come to a, an aspect that we call the Father's provision. If you're following uh, this series and you have the, note, uh, the notes handout or you're watching online and, and you download the notes handout, we're using this graphic uh, that Mike Bring designed to help us think of this aspect. So uh, we've, we've talked about the Father's character, we talked about the Father's kingdom, and today we're gonna talk about the Father's provision. That's that blank uh, that you need to fill today. And so verse 11 of uh, Matthew 6 is right the middle of the model prayer, and it reads like this, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Short phrase, very familiar to you, but it's profound. Jesus uh, is teaching us in the model prayer to ask the Father for our daily bread, to seek the Father's provision. So let's talk about that. The first thing that the Father wants us to do is he wants us to ask him for what we need. Give us. In a prayer, he says, you need to ask. You need to ask for what you need. It's okay to do so. You know why? Because the Father cares about your most basic needs. This petition is couched between two very lofty requests. 
The, the prayer starts, our Father in heaven. That's up there. Hallowed be your name. That's kind of lofty, isn't it? And then when you end the prayer, you end it with your king, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. That's lofty. But in the middle of those two lofty ideas is this petition, give us this day our daily bread. And here's the thing. The God who is in heaven, the God who has a kingdom, the God who is glorious and powerful cares about what you eat today. He cares about your most essential needs. And so he wants us to come and ask him. There's nothing more common than bread. There's nothing more earthly than asking God to provide food for our stomach. And so we are reminded that God cares about what you eat. He cares about the clothes you wear. He cares about you having a home. He, he cares about your job. He cares about you having a loving family, about having health, having safety. All of these needs, transportation that you could think of, God cares about that. You know, there are people that have lofty professions, I, I think, maybe people who have very important jobs, CEOs, you know, presidents of companies, owners of, of corporations, attorneys and, and the head attorney in a firm, um, people that, that have jobs where, where other people take care of the minor details, right? When, when people have those kind of elevated jobs, somebody else makes the coffee. Somebody else takes out the trash. Somebody else takes care of the appointment. Somebody else orders the office supplies. They don't have to worry about those little things. But when a child calls and said, hey, dad, I need a ride, they'll go give him a ride. When a child calls, hey, mom, I'm, I'm having trouble keeping up with things at home. Would you come help me uh, wash the dishes? Mom will go and wash the dishes. And all of a sudden, there's people that are in jobs where they don't have to take care of little things. They find themselves making breakfast for their children or changing a, a flat tire or moving things into a storage or painting a room or working on the yard or helping them cut branches, things that otherwise they wouldn't have to do because they have other people to do them. They will do them. We will do them for our children because we love them. Do you know that the Heavenly Father loves you? Yeah, he's got important jobs. Yeah, he, he's up there and he's taking care of big things. He cares about what's going on in Sudan and in the Ukraine. He, he cares about the tensions and about the politics and about the presidents and about the economies. He cares about things that are going on around the world. But when you call him, Dad, I need something right now, he is glad to come down and meet it for you because he loves you. That's why he says, ask. Ask, give us this day our daily bread. How many times has God met a need? How many times have you prayed and God has met your need exactly the way you asked? Many times, right? I, I know that for me that's true. Sometimes I say, God, this is what I need. And, and I prayed and I waited and then God met the need exactly the way that it needed to be met. And when we had something that, that we didn't know how we were going to take care of, a situation, whether it was tuition for us or tuition for our children, and then at the right time, God sent exactly what we needed. Or, or how many times that uh, we got a refund or an escrow return. Not this year, though, but other years. And we got something back in the mail, and we said, oh, wow, this is a nice check. What are we going to do with it? And 
We start having ideas, my wife and I, and then a few days later, something happens and, it, and, and it's exactly, it's gonna cost us exactly what the check was. So many times that God just meets our needs. I'll never forget when we were starting out, my wife and I, we, uh, we decided to get married when we were in college. I'm not recommending it, I'm just telling you how it was. I was a part-time youth pastor at Cal Island Baptist Church in Corpus Christi. And I'm just gonna say this to you in case you didn't know, part-time youth pastors are not rich, okay? And so uh, we were gonna get married and we were trying to figure out uh, how we were gonna do it. I got a job at HEB uh, at night so I could stock groceries and, and our, <laughs> our church, um, uh, there's an HEB fan here. Uh, um, our church, uh, decided to give us something that I had never heard about. It was the first time. I, was, I grew up as a preacher's kid. I never heard about this. They gave us a pounding. And I thought, oh my goodness, they're going to hit me. But it, it, a pounding, if, for those of you that are not familiar with that culture of, of church, is, is when a church, pe church people bring all kinds of dry goods, food, uh, and so that somebody can fill up their pantry. And so I had this little four ranger red pickup and the back the the bed of our truck was filled with cans of tuna and mac and cheese and vermicelli and cans of of all kinds of things and we we took it and we put it in our pantry and for months we had all kinds of groceries we still had to buy eggs and and milk but god provided for us for a long time through that church my wife still reminds me when I make a tuna sandwich, you know, I make, and I use the whole can, she says, remember when we were in college, you made four sandwiches out of that can. And I said, those were different times. Things have changed. And God has always met our needs, whether we had little or whether we had much. And the point is that the Father cares about our needs and he wants us to ask him. It's not a nuisance to him. It's not a bother. Some people think, I don't want to bother God with my little stuff. He's busy. He's a big God. No, he wants you to go to him. He wants you to ask him. He wants to provide for you. So ask the Father for what you need. Ask the Father for his provision. Ask him if it's food or clothing or work or peace or health or safety or wisdom. The Father wants us to ask for what we need. The Father also wants us to accept the assurance of his daily provision. Notice that in this phrase, he says, this day. And it says daily bread. There's something there that we should not miss. There's an emphasis. There's, there, there's something that God wants us to notice in this petition of every day. You know what it is? The Father wants us to come to him every day. He doesn't want you to put an annual order. God is not Costco, where you can buy or order in bulk. He didn't say, give us this day our monthly bread or give us this day our annual bread. He said, give us this day our daily bread. And the reason that Jesus teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread is because he doesn't want us to live in worry. He doesn't want us to live in anxiety. You see, what happens is when, you, when you're concerned about today's needs and then you, you start worrying about tomorrow, how am I going to pay my bills tomorrow, and then you start worrying about next week and, and next month and next year, and you start thinking about this, and it becomes overwhelming, and you get anxious, 
and your focus is on the money, your focus is on the need, your focus is on what, what you're not gonna be able to do, then you become filled with anxiety. And Jesus says to you, listen, just come to the Father every day. Just come to him. And then he expounds on what this means later in the same chapter of Matthew, chapter six. He tells his disciples, you know how the Father feeds the birds of the air? And if he cares enough for the birds, how much more will he not care for you? Do you know how the flowers of the field are dressed better than designer clothes? And if the father clothes the, the flowers of the field which are here today and gone tomorrow, how much more will he not clothe you? And then he says this in verse 31 of chapter 6. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? But what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. God says, you know, just, just bring me your needs today. Don't be worrying about tomorrow. I'm here today. And guess what? I'll be here tomorrow too. He's not going away. He is there every day. He's there when your mortgage goes up. He's there when, when your paycheck comes short, when you have too much month for your check. He, he, he's there when you get laid off. He gets there, he's there when you get promoted. He's there when your retirement account looks like a roller coaster. He is there. He's there when your savings are running out. He's there when your medical bills get higher and higher every time when, when your insurance premium goes up and so does your deductible. He is there and he's ready to hear you and your petition. He wants us to trust him to take care of today and to trust that he'll be able to do that tomorrow instead of worrying. That's why he wants us to pray one day at a time. God wants us to live and trust him one day at a time. You know, when God brought the, Egypt, the, the Israelites out of Egypt with a powerful, mighty hand, he sent 10 plagues and he brought them out of Egypt. Now, I'm just imagining if I was one of those Hebrews and I lived through those 10 plagues and I said, yes, my God is better than Pharaoh. And then he opened the Red Sea and I crossed the Red Sea on dry land. And, and then I looked at those that wanted to kill me, the Egyptian army behind me. And, and right when they got into the Red Sea, the Red Sea closed. And then I'm walking in the desert and I'm saying, man, what am I going to eat? Because that's what the Israelites said. After God brought them up with a mighty hand, after God miraculously delivered them, they're saying, what are we going to have for lunch? Like, really? Really? You're worried about what you're going to eat? And God heard their grumbling. Merciful, gracious God heard their grumbling. You know what he did? He made it rain bread, literally. Look at Exodus 16, 4 and 5. Exodus 16, 4 and 5. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. 
On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So imagine, here are the people in the desert. There's no stores. There's no McDonald's. There's no Chick-fil-A. But bread is raining from heaven. You get up in the morning, and there are croissants with butter and honey all over the place. Okay, maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe they're gorditas. I don't know. But whatever it is, the people go out and they gather enough for one day. Every day they gather for just that one day, except on the sixth day. On the sixth day, they get a double portion so that on the Sabbath, they don't have to go out and gather. And most people did what God said. They, they went and they gathered just like how God had told them. So he could, they could learn, not worry, not to be anxious. But then, you know how some people get greedy? You know how some people want to take advantage of the system? Some people think they're smarter than others because they can beat the system. So there, you had those folks, you had to have those guys that go out and get more than they needed, more than, than anyone could eat for one day. Maybe they thought, you know, we could, we could just store all this up and, and, and have more bread. Maybe we can sell it. I don't know what they thought. They, they began to get selfish and greedy. And look at what happens in verse 17 of Exodus 16. It says, the Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the Omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. I love that verse, by the way. Because some people think, how, how did we make it when we were mi making minimum wage? And now that we're making five times as much, we're just making it two. You know, it's God who adjusts your, your income to your needs. And then it says here in verse 19, uh, in verse 18, and when they measured, sorry, verse 19, then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning, 20. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. You know, they, they got greedy and they got selfish and they, got, they wanted more than the day's provision and it just went bad on them. It was a lesson to them. Listen, I need you to trust me. I want to provide for you on a daily basis. I will be here tomorrow. Tomorrow there's going to be fresh manna. Tomorrow there'll be fresh provision. Why settle for stale bread when God can provide you fresh and new bread? Give us this daily, our daily bread means that we trust God to provide today and that tomorrow he will provide again, that we depend on him daily. See, here's the thing. The most important thing about the bread is the one who gives it to us. Fall in love with the provider, not with the provision. Fall in love with the one who blesses, not with the blessing. See, that's what happens when, when we begin to focus and hoard and get selfish and, and think too much about material things that then we begin to, to have our heart there instead of having our heart with the Father. And the Father says, I want your heart to be mine. That doesn't mean that we don't plan for the future. It doesn't mean you don't get a savings account or, or a retirement account. It, it, it doesn't mean that you don't budget and plan. Those things are good. Those are, that's good stewardship. You're expected to be a good steward or a good manager of what God gives you. What it means is you don't put your trust there. See, if you have a good job and you have a good salary, thank God for that. But don't put your trust in your job. It's God who gave it, God can take it away.
You have a business and you're doing well and you're prospering your business. Thank God for that. Be a good manager of your business. Make sure that you glorify God in your business. Make sure that, that as you prosper that, that you're a blessing to others. But don't put your trust in your business. Put your trust in the provider, in the one who gave you the business in the first place. That's what it means. Give us this day our daily bread is to continually every day put your trust in him. Because one day your house can be here, one day the next day it can be gone. One day your business can be booming, the next day it can fail. But God never fails. He's always faithful. And so we trust him. Sometimes we want to have more of God's provision, but God wants to have more of us. He wants us to accept his daily provision for us. And then he wants us also to align our will with his. Jesus insists that the Father already knows what we need. It's an interesting concept. Some people may say, well, if he already knows what we need, why do we ask? Well, first of all, because he told us to ask. He wants us to ask. But, but we ask even though he knows what we need because what happens in prayer is very interesting. Notice that, that this request for give us this day our daily bread comes after the request of your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's important. That when we come to prayer, when we pray as disciples pray, when, when we pray as Jesus taught us to pray, that the first thing that we're going to ask is for your will to be done. And then we ask for what we need. So that what we need is lined up with his will. You know, when Jesus was praying at the Garden of Gethsemane, he asked the Father for what he wanted. And that's a good example. That It's okay to ask exactly what you want. Even though you might think that God may do something differently, it's okay to still ask him. So Jesus did that. Jesus knew that the next day he was going to be crucified, that, that he was going to be tortured, that he was going to be rejected, that he was going to suffer pain and heartache. And at the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before all that happens, he tells the Father, Father, I don't want to go through this. If there's any way that we can do this differently, please. I don't, I don't want to go through the cross. I don't want to suffer. Yet, let it be your will, not mine. You see, he was with confidence talking to his father, telling him what he wanted, what he needed. But then he said, but but your will, I submit to your will. And that's what we need to do in prayers. We ask God for what we need, we ask God for what we want even. But then we align our hearts with his will. See, in that sense, praying is not about changing God's mind so much as it is about God changing yours. Prayer is not so much about changing God's heart. Maybe I can convince God to love me. You don't have to, he already does. Maybe I can convince God to give me good things. You don't have to. He wants to give you good things. That's already a settled matter. Prayer is not about changing God's heart. It's about God changing your heart. It's about lining up your heart with his. It's about connecting heart to heart so that your heart beats like his. That you desire what he desires. You want what he wants. You hate what he hates. When we ask, we pray, but we listen. We connect hearts so that our will can be aligned to his. Many years ago, I had the privilege of being a pastor in Fort Worth, Texas. And 
our church had outgrown its, uh, its facilities and we needed a new place to meet. Uh, and we were growing, we were a younger congregation age-wise. And down the street, there was a church that had a huge building and they had so much space. They even had a bowling alley in their basement. And they had a dwindling congregation, just a few senior adults that met there every Sunday and, and, uh, and their building was just not being used. And so they came to us and they said, uh, why don't we merge our churches? You guys need space, we need people. And so uh, let's come together, let's be one church. And we thought, well, that's a good idea. That's one way that, that God could provide space for us. Uh, and, and, uh, and, you know, and then it could provide life for, for that church that seemed to be dying. And so we started praying and we started having conversations about how that will work and, and all of that. The pastor and I were good friends. And so we were going through all that. And then we had a church vote. Their church had to vote and our church had to vote. And when the church vote came, it wasn't enough to make the merger happen. And so we said, okay, so what happens now? What happens now? And so we, keep, we kept praying. We had a prayer group. I had a prayer group at six o'clock in the morning that, that would meet uh, and, and pray and then we would go have breakfast. And one of, one of the members of my prayer group said, Pastor, what I'm gonna do, and he has more faith than I had. He said, what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna pray for five acres of land to build a new building on the freeway, but that they give it to us free. And I said, okay, Leo, uh, if you wanna pray for that, I'll join you. But, you know, I'm a man of little faith. And so we prayed for that. And, and after a phone call that uh, Leo made after we'd been praying for some time, someone called us back and said, listen, we have 11 acres of land on I-35 that we would like to donate to your church so you can build a new building there. And, and I realized there's a reason why God said no to the merger. We built a new facility there. And every time I drive by that I-35 and I look at that church building, I remember sometimes God says no because he has something else for us. And our task in prayer is to line up ourselves with the will of God. When I read the phrase, give us this day our daily bread, I get the sense that we're praying for something that God has already prepared for us. Don't you? L listen to that. Our daily bread. It's as if he has our name on it already. I mean, I just kind of imagine, let me, let me imagine here a little bit that God has this huge storehouse of blessings in heaven and there's a whole pallet or two that has my name on it. And every day I just show up to the Father and say, I'll just take my daily portion. I'll take the blessings that you have for me today. You've already marked it. You've already put my name on it. I'm just here to claim it. I'm just here to ask with faith and with confidence and with gratitude so that when I receive, I'll know where to give the credit. So when I receive, I can rejoice and the Father can rejoice in what I receive. And we can grow to love each other more. That's the invitation of the Father. Give us this day our daily bread. Ask for what you need. Accept his daily provision and align your will with his. And Jesus also said something about bread. He said, I am the bread of life. He said that man should not live by bread alone. Now here's the thing, God cares about your bread. He cares about your tacos. He cares about what you eat and he wants to give it to you. 
but he wants you to know that he is the real bread. That the greatest need that you have is for Jesus. And when you have him, you have everything. So if you don't know Jesus today, you can come to know him. Today you can come and trust him for forgiveness, for new life. You can confess that you're a sinner and that you believe that he died on the cross for you and that he can forgive your sins and make you a child. He can adopt you into the family so that when you pray, you can say, Father. So if you haven't done that yet, maybe you should do that today. Would you bow your head with me? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promise. Thank you for your invitation to pray, give us this day our daily bread and all that it means. Father, I pray that today you would help us to answer your invitation that we would commit to ask you every day to come to you in prayer, ask you for what we need, that we would trade our anxiety for faith in your provision. Father, I pray that those of us that need to grow in, in what that means, that we would make a commitment to grow in prayer. And if there's someone here who still hasn't trusted Jesus, who hasn't received the bread of life, that today they would open their heart, they would pray this prayer. Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm lost without you, but I know you love me and you died on the cross for me. I believe that Jesus is the son of God and I want him to be my savior and Lord right now. Forgive me my sins. Make me a child of the father and give me eternal life. Father, hear that prayer and whatever other commitment, let your Holy Spirit seal it. We pray that in Christ's name, amen. As we continue to think about response to the invitation of prayer, would you stand with me and let's sing together. Father, let your kingdom come. Let that be for you a prayer request, a commitment time right now as we sing.